Yo, what's good, everybody? It's your boy. It's the Creative King. It's your host of Keep It Real 365. Jordan Turner, man. Friday Night Smackdown. So rap is in the books. Let's talk about it. With your host, Jordan Turner, who's always going to keep it real. Come on, King. Inside and outside the ring. Let me make myself clear. He's got the band behind him, King. It's time to take over, King. Are you ready? He's all fired up now, King. Take over. Let's go. What's good, everybody? Welcome to Keep It Real 365. Friday Night Smackdown review slash analysis where we break every single thing down segment by segment match by match and i give you my real honest view and opinion on what i watch on tv on a weekly basis now we got fox we got friday night smackdown live in mia 305 man so that's pretty cool before i get right into the podcast make sure you guys do me a couple things number one Make sure you guys go follow me on social media. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Keep It Real 365 Dash. Also, follow me on Twitter at JT Takeover. And including that, please go do me a favor. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Type in JT Productions. My profile pops up. Go and subscribe to the YouTube channel. I am in development right now by making my YouTube channel. I am here to tell you that it will definitely be up by SummerSlam for sure. So when it gets up, all the episodes, all the podcasts, it's going to go to YouTube while also being available on Anchor, Podbeam, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other available podcast platforms. So if you guys can do that for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Shout out to everybody that is continuing to follow me on Instagram and we're building a family over there, man. So I would greatly appreciate it if you guys go follow the podcast on Instagram. Now we got that stuff out of the way. Friday Night Smackdown, ladies and gentlemen, my thoughts are very simple. Smackdown is the better show in the week. It's better than NXT. It's better than Monday Night Raw. And I think it's better than AEW as well. I think Friday Night Smackdown is the better Raw wrestling program on a weekly basis. Now, tonight was very interesting. We've seen the continued build for SummerSlam. we also seen some teases about possible new matchups following after SummerSlam, mainly involving the Tribal Chief, the head of the table, the reigning, defending, undisputed Universal Champion, that being Roman Reigns, but we didn't kick off with Roman Reigns, y'all. We kicked off with John Cena pretty much answering the challenge to Roman Reigns. So we're going to start with that. As Like I said, we're going to go by promo by promo, segment by segment, match by match, giving you guys my real in-depth opinions and what I really thought on everything that happened on tonight's program of Friday Night SmackDown. So we kicked off with John Cena opening the show. John Cena came out to start Friday Night SmackDown. And got a massive reaction. I got a lot of notes here, man. I really want to, you know, go detail to detail. Instead of writing some highlights on my notes. I really want to cover everything and cover the basis 
So it's going to be pretty long a review, but hope you guys, you guys stick right with me. So John Cena came out to start off Red Night Smackdown and got a massive reaction. As usual, people love John Cena. People are happy that John Cena is back. I, on the other hand, am very happy John Cena is back. We are getting Roman Reigns versus John Cena. I really believe that John Cena versus Roman Reigns is one of the biggest matches WWE can really do at this moment, not naming The Rock. So he mentioned returning at Money in the Bank and Raw the next night, this past Monday night. He briefly talked about the Firefly Funhouse alternative reality and stealing Peachmaker's costumes. Pretty much a little funny little stick there. I didn't really think that was funny, but the crowd really kind of popped for that. They popped anything that Cena was saying. So Cena noted that he returned to challenge Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. He said that he's about to go face-to-face with Reigns. He mentioned that there was huge news in sports in Cleveland, and the fans started booing immediately out of the gate. He said that he changed his name to Guardian. Some fans booed, but others applaud. Like I said, John Cena was kind of throwing some jokes here and there. In my opinion, it wasn't really funny, but the crowd kind of ate that up. So it is what it is with that. Cena turned his attention to Reigns and got a little bit serious and said that SmackDown sucks with the Reigns champion. Uh, Mr. Cena, I got to disagree with you, my brother. SmackDown is the best wrestling show of the week. That's because Roman Reigns is not only at the head of the table, not only the tribal chief, but he's the universal champion. I don't think SmackDown has sucked since Roman Reigns has been champion. Cena says um, he asked the audience what team they're on. The fans cheered, obviously, with John Cena. And the fans erupted in a loud John Cena chant. He continued, he said, he asked that the fans on Team Shorts or on Team Cargo Pants. He then asked that the fans are on Team Cena or Team Reigns. The fans were all on Team John Cena, of course. Like I said, he was getting a big reaction. He demanded that Reigns come out to the ring. The fans cheered and broke into another loud John Cena chant. Paul Heyman then came out. You know when Paul Heyman comes out, man, you know I mean business. When he came out, I'm saying to myself, this is going to be a great interaction between two legendary promo figures, that being John Cena and Paul Heyman. So Paul Heyman came out and got a big reaction from the live fans The fans cheered wildly for a few seconds and then immediately started booing. That's the power of Paul Heyman. You know, we all love and respect Paul Heyman. So Paul Heyman automatically, no matter if he's the client with Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman's always going to get cheered because he's ridiculously popular. So they recapped Finn Balor returning last week and interrupted Sami Zayn. And after that, we see John Cena and Paul Heyman pretty much going back and forth, blow for blow. If you guys know, um, you know, we kind of all know what they were saying if you guys are watching it. I'm not really going to go over exactly what they said, but if you did watch it, you guys know what they were talking about. Both men going blow for blow. They're grit on the microphone. When they get a microphone in their hand, we got to listen. We got to stop everything that we're doing because they're obviously going to be delivering on the microphone. So we then get a recap like I mentioned, with Finn Balor returning last week and interrupted Sami Zayn. They recapped Sami Zayn beating AJ Styles and Jeff Hardy to win the Intercontinental Championship at Clash of Champions in 2020. 
that was very underrated match for a lot of people. A lot of people did not bring up that intercontinental championship match between Zayn and Hardy and Styles. I thought that was a very good match. Speaking of Finn Balor, speaking of Sami Zayn, they went one-on-one. This match lasted nine minutes. Balor and Zayn had really good match with the hot crowd really, you know, sparking that more investment into both guys. So Zayn took over by working on Balor's arm. Balor tried fighting back, but Zayn punched him in the face. Zayn then threw Balor outside and beat him down against the barricade. So Balor fought back and stomped on Zayn. He followed up with a huge flip dive to the floor. The fans went crazy for Balor's dive. Now, there's one thing about Finn Balor that I don't really like, and it's a lot of things that I can't really blame him. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers in this business in WWE. Also, that um, they kind of do the same moves, man. They kind of do the same repertoire. You hear John Cena, the five moves of doom. Balor has it. Rollins has it. Reigns has it. Sasha Banks has it. Charlotte. Everybody in the WWE has like their five moves of doom that they repeatedly do all the time. And in terms of Finn Balor, now, I don't have a problem with it. I don't. I don't want to make it seem like I'm complaining, but I want to point that out. You know, all these wrestlers have their five best moves that they repeatedly do, and it pretty much is kind of like a momentum boost for them, you know? So we've seen uh, Finn Balor, or excuse me, Sami Zayn, shove the pace with the chin lock. Then fans broke into a huge Sami sucks chant. Balor broke free, but Zayn hits a DDT. That was a nice DDT. By Sammy Zayn. Zayn went for the Aluva kick, but Balor countered with the sling blade, one of his favorite moves. Balor went for the shotgun drop kick, another favorite move of his, but Zayn pretty much reversed that into a blue thunder bomb for a near fall. In my opinion, I'm not sure what you guys think about this, but I feel like Sammy Zayn really needs to flip the moves around and do. The Blue Thunder Bomb is one of his finishers and pretty much have the Luva Kick be his signature finisher. That's just my opinion. So the fans went crazy for the near fall and broke in a huge Let's Go Balor chant. Zayn went for the Exploder Suplex, but Balor rolled through and hit a double foot stomp. The finish came when Balor hit a drop kick and then went for the top rope to hit a coup de grace for the one, two, three. For what it was, this was a decent match. Both men have tremendous chemistry. And it looks like this is going to be sort of a mini replacement feud for Finn Balor for after SummerSlam. I'll talk about Finn Balor in a little bit as he ended the match, or excuse me, ended the night with the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. I got a lot to say about that. But this match was pretty good. Both men have chemistry. And that's pretty much all I can say about that. So... We go backstage with Caleb Braxton interviewing Baron Corbin. Now, Baron Corbin, I really don't know what this character change is all about. Quite frankly, I don't care for it, but I'm willing to give it a chance. Seems like Baron Corbin is going through a depression phase. Pretty much similar. I don't want to say indirectly similar, but somewhat similar to when Hangman Adam Page and AEW was going through a depression state 
You know what I mean? He was trying to find his way, trying to find his footing back to being on top. It kind of feels like Baron Corbin is going down that route. I'm not sure if a lot of people in the IWC have brought that up, but I'm here to tell you guys that I feel like that is exactly what they're doing in WWE for Baron Corbin. Kind of taking that Adam Page depression route for Baron Corbin. Now, he noted that the guy that made the GoFundMe page stole his money indirectly. He noted that he had to take the bus to SmackDown and that it smelled really bad. Again, this is a you know depression kind of character. You know, he's going to be in a funk for a while. And then that one instance that is going to build him right back up. I'm not sure what that is. We'll have to wait and see. I am not going to lie to you. I am pretty interested in this, you know, new Baron Corbin character. But I do miss the lone wolf character that he had in NXT. And I want to see that return. But I will say I am somewhat intrigued into this new character for Baron Corbin. So we'll see what happens. I'm not going to shit on it completely because I haven't really given an opportunity to see what more layers are we going to get with this character. So we'll see what happens. I'm either going to like it or I'm not. There's no in between. So we've seen Big E have a segment at it was originally announced that Big E, excuse me, would take on Apollo Crews at Rolling Loud, but the rematch was apparently changed. This was a typical segment where everybody interrupted each other. The fans gave each other of them a loud reaction, which helped the segment, including as they recap Biggie winning the Money in the Bank briefcase. Biggie came to the ring with a huge crowd reaction. The fans broke in a loud chant, You deserve it. He noted that he wouldn't forget Money in the Bank. He talked about winning the ladder match, but Apollo Crews interrupted. I have to kind of give WWE a negative here. I'll explain. That is because we've seen this match multiple times. Rematch after rematch after rematch. I get it. Both men are really great professional wrestlers. They do have good chemistry. But man... Can we see both of them face somebody else? What is up with the rematches, Vince McMahon? What is up with the rematches, Bruce Pritchard? I don't understand it. This has got to stop. I'm really getting sick of it. Really, really am. I'm not going to yell tonight. I'm pretty calm. Like I said, the show overall really wasn't that bad. I wasn't bored. How can you be bored at SmackDown? They're better than Raw, you know? So, towards the end of this promo... We see Cruz pointed out that Biggie won a contract, but he didn't win the Intercontinental Championship. Suddenly, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode interrupted. I mean, where the fuck have they been? I'm surprised Dolph Ziggler is still in the WWE. I'm surprised Bobby Roode, not Robert Roode. I'm surprised he's still in the WWE too. I really am. As they interrupted, they started speaking with um, Rick uh, Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura as they walked out then. The fans sang Nakamura's theme song when Cesaro came out and interrupted. Cesaro says that there's enough talking and that it's time to swing in Cleveland. The fans gave Cesaro a big reaction. Everyone started brawling in the ring. 
Aris tried to chokeslam Nakamura and Cesaro. The face broke free, and Biggie gave Aris a clothesline to the floor. The fans booed Big, or excuse me, the fans popped Big for Biggie, excuse me, knocking Icy to the floor. They went to the Rolling Loud in Miami. Eyes, I want to comment on this. I really like this that, you know, we got the fans in the arena, but we also have fans, you know, in the, um, what is it, like a concert thing, pretty much. I really like WWE doing this. I think it's different. And I think WWE should really consider doing more of these where you have the fans that pay their ticket and they are in the arena. And then you got the fans that are just there to be outside and whatever woo-woo that are outside of the arena. Sort of like a concert thing, like I said. So I think that's pretty cool that the promotion did that. And um, it's some cool stuff. We need to see more of that in WWE. I was really impressed with what I seen. So Wale, who was a big WWE fan, big wrestling head. He's the guy that sang the theme song for Biggie at WrestleMania. Really, really cool stuff. I'll get to him in a second as well. So Wale uh, walked out with a huge crowd. He got the crowd chanting, we want the smoke. Wale then introduced the Street Profits. So it's hard to tell how the fans are reacting to the Street Profits as the setup at the Rolling Stones looks awesome, as indeed it does. It looks very cool, and I'm very excited for the future, and hopefully we get more things like this. So with the sun setting in the background, it was just great to see. You have the sun setting down. The fans are popping big time for Wale and the Street Profits. And you know our girl Bianca Belair was there. So it was cool to see. I do want to say that Wale should possibly perform and be like a host for WrestleMania in Dallas. Listen, something like that, I think that would be cool. Or, you know, something similar to that. So maybe we see like celebrities be the host of WrestleMania moving forward. I think Wale would be a great advocate for that. You know, get people that are actually fans of not only WWE, but that are fans about pro wrestling. If you guys don't know, people were complaining about Cardi B. Why the fuck Cardi B in WWE? Y'all motherfuckers got to understand something. From a business standpoint, it's smart. But did you guys know that Cardi B is actually a fan of the WWE? This is what I'm saying. You got to get people that are fans of the WWE product. You know, we got Wale. We got Cardi B. Let's get some more people, more celebrities. I said it once and I'll say it again. You know, the mainstream in pro wrestling, the potential was there. You know, you got AEW with Shaq and Snoop Dogg and Snoop Dogg was in WWE and everything like that. We need more celebrities, you know, pretty much starting a movement with professional wrestling and the return to the popularity in pro wrestling. We need that. We really do. Okay. Pro wrestling can't just be the snitch shit no more. It it can't. It's got to go to the mainstream. I'm not saying it's going to be attitude or based, but when you really look at things, the potential is really there. It really is. So we'll see what happens with that. So the next match we seen was Angelo Dawkins with Montez Ford and Wale 
as they went up against Chad Gable and Otis. This match lasted 3 minutes and 58 seconds. Dawkins and Gable started off fine. Dawkins had the early advantage, but Gable caught Dawkins in an arm bar. Gable followed up with a clothesline off the top for near fall. Gable then used a northern-like suplex for another near fall. So near falls back and forth for Gable. He slowed down the pace and worked over Dawkins' arm. I love that, working on a body part. So as he was working on a body part, he immediately then hit a German suplex from the top rope for a two count. I love the top ropes, man, when they're done correctly. So that's pretty cool from Gable. After that, we see Gable missed a moonsault, but then he landed on his feet. Dawkins fired up and hit a twisting splash in the corner. Gable recovered and used a base, uh, a backslide, excuse me, for a near fall. Dawkins rolled his feet and hit a spine buster for the one, two, three. So Angelo Dawkins defeated Chad Gable. Um, I hate that these type of matches are on SmackDown. Like, why are you having singles matches with tag team wrestlers? I just don't understand that. I was really never um, a fan of things like that. I just think it's cheesy. And quite frankly, I think it's straight up laziness by WWE. They got to stop doing that. I'm just not a fan of it. Maybe I'm just being too picky, but that's just my opinion. Now, up next, we've seen the SmackDown Women's Championship bout between Bianca Belair and Carmella. Ladies and gentlemen, this match went only four minutes and 45 seconds. Now, I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to yell, but... I'm about to give y'all a rant right now. I'm about to give y'all a rant because this promotion deserves it. It really does. Let me get this straight. You got Bianca Belair. You got Carmella. You got Sasha Banks. You got Bailey. You got Tony Storm. I'll talk about her in a little bit. You know, you got Zelina Vega, whatever. You got quality women. You got Shotzi Blackheart. You got Tegan Knox. You have great women's wrestlers. Why the fuck do we continuously get on Monday and Friday matches that don't last past five minutes? Why? I don't understand that. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Call me a conspiracist, but someone in WWE really does not like women's wrestling. Yo, Sasha Banks is in the division. Bailey's in the division. Bianca Belair is in the division. And they're barely getting five, six, seven minutes. But on a pay-per-view, they get like 15 to 20 minutes, which is understandable. I mean, it's a pay-per-view. They deserve around 15 to 20 minutes tops. No question. But this is for the SmackDown Women's Championship, y'all. This match in the time slot, it definitely deserved around at least 10 minutes. Carmella and Bianca Belair at least could have gave us 10 minutes. We got four minutes and 45 seconds. If that's not a slap in the face, that's not disrespect to not only Bianca Belair, who's your SmackDown Women's Champion, 
but to Carmelo and the women's division as a whole, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's disgusting in my eyes. There's someone in WWE. I don't know if it's Vince or Bruce Prichard, but there's someone in management that is just not a fan of women's wrestling. And you can tell. If you watch the program on a weekly basis, you can see and you can tell that women's wrestling is just not a priority on the main roster. And then they want to tout. They want to have the nerve. They have the gall, the balls to say this is a revolution. Y'all management, this is not a revolution. If matches are only going less than five minutes. WWE, please, please, I beg of you, do better. Do better with the women's division. Stop disrespecting these women. These women just want to go out there and they just want to wrestle. You have some of the greatest talents underneath your thumb. And you're not really caring for them. That's got to stop. Please. So that was Bianca Belair and Carmella. So Bianca Belair and Carmella. Listen, the match was very short. But for the amount of time that it was, it was decent for what it was. Uh, They showed off several shots of the crowd. And they didn't seem interested at all. It's the God honest truth. That's the vibe I got. And I want to make a note. With the way the crowd reacts and they look, I get the reflection at home. So I want to make that note. If they are on their hands and knees, not giving a fuck, they're on their phone or whatever the case, my mentality is, oh, damn. This, the match is really dead because the crowd's not into it. The crowd really plays a major factor into how good these matches really, really are. So it is what it is. So they traded pin attempts at the start of the bout to Bianca and Carmella. Bianca avoided Carmella with the backflip and hit Carmella with a drop kick. Pretty decent drop kick from Bianca. Belair rocked Carmella with the shoulder tackle. Typical Car- uh, Bianca Belair move, excuse me. Typical move by Bianca Belair. Uh, she set up for the KOD, but Carmella grabbed the ropes and broke free. Carmella took over and Slowly, with the pace down, with the chin lock, Carmella attempted a flying crossbody, but Belair rolled through and hit a fallaway slam. Pretty impressive by Bianca Belair. But at this case, it's not that impressive because we've seen Bianca Belair pretty much lift Otis up. So that's not really impressive was the fallaway slam. But it looked nice. Um, she followed up with a head spring splash for a near fall. Typical move by Bianca as well. Carmella briefly took over, but Belair fought back. And hit the KOD for the one, two, three. Like I said, Vince, do better with the women's division. It's just not a good look, man. These women deserve better than that. So back in Cleveland, back in the arena, Kevin Owens spoke with Shotzi, Blackheart, and Tegan Knox as they worked on their tank. Baron Corbin approached Kevin Owens and tried apologizing for being a jerk. Owens accepted his apology and gave Corbin a few dollars. Like I said in the previous um, early stages of the podcast, Baron Corbin's acting like a hobo. So pretty much it's taking the thing of, you know, um, 
Hangman Page. But Hangman Page wasn't acting like a hobo. Hangman Page was just acting depressed. Baron Corbin is acting like he's a hobo and he's depressed. So, like I said as well, I'm interested in what's going to happen with Baron Corbin and this new character. We'll see. I don't want to judge first. I want to wait for a couple weeks and see where, the, where these layers in his new character are implemented in. So we'll see what happens. Owens walked off. Suddenly, the tank's missile went off and hit Corbin in the balls as Corbin went down and then Ziggler and Rude ran over. They stole the money, but Owens ran back with the chair. So Owens defending the honor of Baron Corbin, huh? Baron Corbin looks like he's turning into a baby face. We'll see what happens with that, man. Very interesting. So next segment we got with the rated R superstar Edge as Edge made his way to the ring to a massive pop. Fans love Edge and we love Edge and the contency of the pops for Edge are really showing that Edge is a very commodity in the WWE. He was very missed and we all love Edge. That's it. They recapped Seth Rollins costing Edge the Universal Championship at Money in the Bank. I predicted that. That's why I call myself the Creative King. I indeed predicted that earlier in the night following Seth Rollins' promo backstage at Money in the Bank. And uh, after thinking about it, I kind of predicted that early as well in my prediction. So it's pretty cool that the WWE actually did the idea that I pitched. So that's some cool stuff. Back from the break, fans were going crazy for Edge. He noted that he should be Universal Champion, but he's not because of Seth Rollins. Hey, uh, Edge, I love you, man. You should not have been Universal Champion. Cut the shit. No one's beating Roman Reigns. So, that's that. Like I said, Seth Rollins cost him the match. Edge turned his attention to Rollins and discussed their history. I love it, man. They're bringing the history into the fold with the storyline like we all in the IWC have pitched. It just makes all the sense in the world. So Edge noted he learned from the evilest minds. He mentioned being in the brood and the ministry of darkness. I loved both of those interactions of Edge. Great stuff. The pans popped big time for the mention of mystery of darkness. Shout out to Undertaker, the GOAT in the WWE. Seth Rollins rudely interrupted, coming in, wearing a suit, coming in like, you know, just a cocky prick. He's continuously laughing at Edge and everything like that. This feud, you guys, is going to be great. And I can't wait to see more layers to this feud. Hopefully, it really continues after SummerSlam. So we'll see. Seth Rollins, he called Edge grandpa and mocked him. Edge told him to shut up and told him to come to the ring for a face-to-face. He promised not to attack him. Rollins noted he would talk about how much he hates the city and people like Edge and Cena returning. Instead, he's thrilled that Grandpa Edge is in the ring. This was a LOL moment by Seth Rollins for sure. Oh man, that was great. Calling Edge Grandpa as Edge previously told uh, Seth Rollins not to call him Grandpa. It's pretty cool, man. Seth Rollins is just a slimy dick getting into the mind of Edge and it's working because Edge is getting pissed. So we see that uh, he called Edge a scumbag and admitted nothing would make him happier than crushing Edge's dreams. 
I low-key thought Seth Rollins was going to say that um, it would make him happier if he crushed Edge's neck, bringing up the next situation. So he didn't do that, but that's what I was thinking of. So Rollins noted that he had the chance to end Edge's career seven years ago. Well, there you go. But he had, so see exactly what I thought would happen. He actually said without saying his neck. So let me repeat that again. So Rollins noted that he had the chance to end Edge's career seven years ago, but he hesitated. The fans erupted in a massive you suck chant towards Rollins. He promised that he wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger this time. Edge admitted he's a liar and attacks Rollins. Rollins fought back. But Edge hit a DDT to a huge pop. Edge sent up for the spear, and the fans went crazy. They were going bonkers. But Rollins avoided the spear and rolled out of the ring. The fans erupted in booze as expected. Ladies and gentlemen, this feud is going to be tremendous. I'm hyped. I can't wait. I'm pumped. I've been begging WWE for years. Return after return for Edge. I said to myself, when are we getting Seth Rollins versus Edge? And we're getting it now. I can't wait. I can't wait. So, next matchup. This went shorter than the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Next matchup for the women was Tony Storm versus Zalina Vega. This match went 2 minutes and 35 seconds. So, Storm and Vega had the shortest match of the night. The fans gave Storm a great reaction. So, there you go. I'll comment on Storm and Vega in a little bit after I review what happened in this match. So, Storm had the early advantage and knocked Vega down to the floor. Vega recovered and slammed Storm onto the announce table. Vega then hit a running knee for a near fall. Storm fought back and caught Vega with the headbutt. Storm followed up with the splash and a German suplex for a near fall. Like I said, I love the combination moves. You do one little move and then you make one big move like the German suplex. So Vega kicked out. Then Vega used a sunset flip for two count. But Storm quickly recovered. She then hits the Storm uh, zero for the one, two, three. Now, this match was short as fuck. As expected. We all knew that Tony Storm was going to beat Zelina Vega. Now, I want to talk about Zelina Vega. People are still on her ass for going to the WWE. Listen, I'm going to politely say to those people that are still upset or they're, they're just being a dick right now. Get over it. It's over. She's in the WWE again. Who cares? Now, there are people in the IWC that are still saying how Zelina Vega is a sellout and this and that. Yes, Zelina Vega is an absolute hypocrite. She is an eye in many people's eyes. Indeed, a sellout. Because she was saying all these derogatory things to the WWE and starting a, a union. But then turns around and goes for the, you know, money. Goes back to Vince. It is what it is, you guys. We can't do nothing about it. Now, at this point, if you're still complaining about it, you're just being a dick. You really are. Just get over it. I got over it. 
It's no big deal. She's in the WWE. She deserves what's coming to her right now. She's getting buried. That's her fault for re-signing with the WWE. She could have been there with Aleister Black, Malachi Black in AEW and do big things. Maybe she would have been a manager for Andrade, El Idolo, and the Lucha Bros, Phoenix, and Pentagon. But nah, nah. She wanted to go back to WWE. Your husband ain't there no more, boo. But hey, go back to Vince. Vince and Stephanie, mainly Stephanie. You know, they really love her. Vince considers Alina Vega, you know, really, really special. He sees big things in her. He really sees big things in her if she's taken out. It is what it is, man. That's her fault. That's not our fault. All we can do is support Vega or, in this case, completely keep shitting on Vega. Pick one. You guys should rather just pick up, just move on. Stop shitting on her. We already know what happened. She's a sellout. It is what it is. So just forget about it. So, you know, Tony Storm. Tony Storm. I'm going to be blunt. I'm not a big fan of Tony Storm, but I do like Tony Storm. Tony Storm is incredibly talented. She looked good too, but she needs to no question be the Daniel Bryan of the SmackDown Women's Division, an underdog babyface. You know what I want from Bianca? She calls herself the EST. I want her to be a show-off. I want her to be cocky as fuck. She proves that every single time she's in the ring. This babyface run really isn't doing much, in my personal opinion, with Bianca Belair. That's just my thoughts. And um, I feel like Bianca Belair with this EST character, she needs to be a heel. And um, that's what needs to happen. I am right now, I apologize guys, I'm getting my charger. And I'm charging my computer because it was about to die. But we're good to go. Now, like I said, Bianca Belair needs to turn heel like she was in NXT. Just cocky, arrogant, full of herself, EST. The biggest, the strongest, the fast, the rough is the toughest. Bianca Belair versus Tony Storm for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Babyface heel. Let's do it. And I got a question. Hey, WWE. So Keith Lee returned this past Monday. Yeah, he lost. But where's Mia Yim? Let me ask you again. Where's Mia Yim? Let me ask you one more time. Where is Mia Yim? What's going on with Mia Yim? Hey, Mia Yim, I miss you. I really do. I miss you. Where you at, girl? Where you at? Are you hurt? What, what's going on? Are Vince McMahon just not a fan of Mia Yim anymore? She's being off Kev TV for something, right? Maybe WWE doesn't have anything for Mia Yim. Still, that's why she's being kept off television. Hey, Vince McMahon, Bruce Pritchard, management. 
How about this? You get rid of the SmackDown, uh, the Women's Tag Team Championships. Get rid of those pointless championships. You bring in a mid-card championship for the women's division. You have people like Mia Yim, Tony Storm, Bailey, Whoever's not in the main event pitcher, they go after that mid-card championship. See, I'm the creative king for a reason. I come up with great creative ideas that will benefit a program. That will benefit the WWE's women's division. You can have that championship float between both Raw and SmackDown. You have the women's championships, and then you have, you know, the mid-card championship for the women floating between both Raw and SmackDown. Come on, man. Let's do it. Get rid of those women's tag team championships. Those are doing nothing. So that's my thoughts on that. Let me know what you guys think about that. So we have Jimmy and Jay, the Usos, going up against Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio. This match went 7 minutes and 50 seconds. What is up with these matches going less than 10 minutes tonight? What is going on? These wrestling matches on a weekly basis on Raw and SmackDown, nobody in the IWC has been pointing this out. There's been a lot of these matches that have been going under like 15 to 10 minutes. I'm not sure why that's the case. This match should have went at least 12 minutes. Easily. It's my opinion on that. Now we see Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Uso and Dominic Mysterio uh, start off. As the fans gave them both a good reaction. But Dominic. You know. Dominic probably could have won this match. But I understand why he didn't. So Dominic attacked Jimmy at the bell. He used a hip toss and standing drop kick on Jimmy. Dominic tried climbing the turnbuckle. But Jimmy tripped him up. He followed up with the super kick to Jimmy Uso. Jimmy slowed the pace down with the headlock. But Dominic broke free. He set up for the 619. But. Um, Jimmy Uso um, then pulled out of the way. Ray dove off the apron onto Jay Uso, and Dominic hit a crossbody onto Jimmy Uso. We come back from commercial break, and Dominic went for the three um, amigos, the three amigos, and Jimmy Uso countered the third suplex. The fans booed. They didn't appreciate that. Dominic fought back and hit the 619. He climbed up to the top rope. But Jimmy tried to interfere. Ray pulled Jay down. Dominic lost his balance. And Jimmy Uso rocked Dominic with another super kick. As he goes for the pin. But Dominic was able to kick out at two and a half. They battled. Uh, they badly messed up the finish. Dominic uh, took Jay with a drop kick to the floor. He then attempted a springboard into the ring. And Jimmy was supposed to catch him with a Samoan drop. Instead, Jimmy dropped Dominic and they stumbled around for a few seconds. They recovered and Jimmy got Dominic in the Samoan drop. Dominic tried rolling through, but Jimmy dropped down and Jay helped Jimmy score the one, two, three. Yeah. Um, that was pretty awkward. That really was awkward. And, um, you know, they uh, executed their moves to perfection after that. It was a botch, but they battled through. Everybody botches, man. Everybody botches. We can't really harp on that. Now, in the main event of the show, Roman Reigns made his entrance as he posed with the Usos on the ramp later on in the night. 
So Roman Reigns answers John Cena's request, or did he? So Reigns and the fans were, you know, in the segment. However, Cena seemed to disappear and didn't uh, care that Reigns turned down his challenge. So pretty much Roman Reigns turned down John Cena's challenge. John Cena probably kind of knew that. So that's why we really didn't see him. Before Reigns spoke, the fans erupted in boos and a loud you suck chant. Reigns told Cleveland to acknowledge him and the fans booed even louder. He told the fans at home to acknowledge him too. Okay, well, I acknowledge you, Roman, so you got that. The fans broke into a what chant. Reigns didn't let the crowd bother him as he kept going on. He thought Hollywood would give John Cena a new paint job and he had to come back for a different paint. I kind of know what he's talking about. He's talking about his ring gear, his attire, as he talks about it right here. So Rain says, instead, John Cena's just a nostalgia act. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Rain said, it's just like doing misdemeanor, <laughs> misdemeanor every single night. <clears throat> that it was a good line, and the fans gave pretty much a big reaction after that comment. So Reigns noted that he couldn't see Cena. He won't see him in the main event of SummerSlam. Reigns then said his answer is no. The fans erupted in boos as they were pissed that, you know, Roman Reigns wasn't able to accept John Cena's challenge. Guys, don't worry. Ladies and gentlemen, don't worry. Don't trip. Roman Reigns versus John Cena is going to happen in SummerSlam. Now, after SummerSlam, this is where... It got interesting. Suddenly, Finn Balor's music hit. Reigns amused Balor out there to acknowledge him. Balor noted that if Reigns won't accept Cena's challenge, maybe he'll accept his. The fans popped heavy for Balor's challenge and erupted in a yes chant. Shout out to D-Bry. Reigns smirked and laughed it off. The fans then started chanting, Roman's scared. Reigns didn't appreciate that chant as he got pretty heated. Reigns then accepted the challenge. Fans cheered, and we are getting a Balor and Reigns as they face off at the end of Friday Night SmackDown. Ladies and gentlemen, we are getting Roman Reigns and Finn Balor after SummerSlam. I want to tell you that right now. We are getting Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor for after SummerSlam. There's no way John Cena is beating Roman Reigns. John Cena has a movie that he needs to do after SummerSlam. And that's what he's going to do in the fall months. So we are getting Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns for after SummerSlam. I believe. This is the prediction. I think we are getting Finn Balor and Roman Reigns to the fall and winter months. Or just the fall months. And then after that, we're getting Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is either happening you know, into winter months or early 2022 in January at the Royal Rumble. That's my prediction. Let me know if you guys agree with that prediction. Also, let me know if you guys enjoyed this podcast tonight. Let me guys know if you guys enjoyed the SmackDown review and analysis for Friday, July 23rd, 2021. That's a wrap for the podcast. Make sure you guys continue to go and follow and subscribe to keep it real 365. I appreciate the support. I really appreciate that there are people out there listening to the podcast. 
It means a lot. And thank you. I really appreciate it. I cannot wait to put the podcast on YouTube. We got a lot of things going in terms of the format. And it's going to be cool, man. So please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Type in on the search engine at JT Productions. It pops up. Go follow and subscribe. That's a wrap. This is the Creative King for your Friday night SmackDown review and analysis. I will see you guys on Monday for Monday Night Raw. Or, excuse me, Monday Night Boar. Y'all have a good night.